Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really honored to be here uh, as part of voicing this uh, dance history and um, or these dance histories. And uh, yeah, you will see along the way that uh, although Khan and I, we share the same institution, we have different approaches and it might be a little bit uh, more... Um, uh, activist and uh, and uh, ideological today with me um okay so but i will start um uh, with something rather i will start with the artistic aspects from personal memories from the past and the present and then i will end on a, a political and collective note and i will engage you along the way and um, then again create a future with you you already did today quite amazingly. Um, so I'll start with this. My first experience of dance in my childhood in the 80s and 90s uh, in Holstebro here in Denmark uh, approximately lo looked like this. This is actually a, a newer picture. Um, uh, these dancers are from the Gambu troupe from Bali, but it could also be with dancers who were dancing uh, Katakali or no, um, making no theatre. Um, and they were invited to perform in Holstebro in the province of Denmark, uh, where I grew up, um, by Odin Tadel, who you might know, a uh, group from the late 60s. As Eugenio Baba, who is the director of that group, said, um, they're the only foreigners who were funded by a city uh, and were allowed to use uh, public means for a long time, or still allowed to. Um, and um, I mean, they expanded their notion of theater into, into choreography and dance and anthropology. So beyond borders of aesthetics and also of, um, of countries they worked on and still work. And they toured um, abroad and still they're still touring a lot. Um, and when they performed in Bali, they would invite the Balinese uh, troops to come to Hostepro. A lot of you will know, some of you might not, so that's why I'm just telling this. It will be like this with all I say. Some of you will be experts and some of you will be not so knowing about it. Um, but what I think is interesting is that it was on the bill of the Danish state that the Balinese troops were coming to Denmark. So what the Odintetel were doing and are still doing is that they're re redistributing attention and money and uh, write a, a little small chapter of Danish dance histories um, as something in constant exchange uh, beyond aesthetic and national borders. I myself encountered making choreography or being labeled as one doing so um, in 2008, so that's 10 years ago, um, when I started working in Chuck Morris, who is a duo together with Swiss um, Luzi Tuma. Um, this work that you can see a picture of here um, is called Set Mikraski and it's uh, working with a remediation of um, the film Set Mikraski, Seven Beauties or Sieben uh, Schönchen by Czech Vera Retilovia. And some of you uh, were performing too in Junge Hunde Festival uh, the same year, Marie Louise, for example, and uh, I think others maybe. Yeah. Um, and then 
I, I moved on dancing abroad. I was not in Denmark that much. Um, it could look like this. It's in company of Deufert Pleschke, um, a German uh, duo. And it was also in company of uh, Didi Dovillier, American choreographer. Here we are performing in Kai Theater. Um, and then this happened. I change to a little film medium. Oops. Just go back. Yeah. And um, this little choreography for hair was uh, created... Uh, on initiative or facilitated by uh, RISK, the collective RISK. Um, and who you see here is Dina Marie Jacobsen, who is a visual artist. And together with us, we also had um, Charlotte Baumann and myself, upon that time, identifying as a performance artist. Um, and um, also, we had this dove uh, amongst us, uh, Sarah Harming. Um, who were here yesterday, and uh, we we did a collective uh, collaboration uh, on the invitation of Risk in the Free Ustellingsbüchning, that is a visual arts space where we moved the black box out of the white cube into the streets, amongst others. Um, small impressions here, just uh, as we move along. But I was upon that time um, coming back and forth between Denmark and uh, Germany and Switzerland. Um yeah. And uh I was I was um when I was pen pendling back and forth I uh I discovered how there was a big change discursively in the Danish dance landscape and I think it was mentioned yesterday there was a new collective drive in the dance scene around uh, a charismatic and energetic Venezuelan uh woman. Uh, who I asked for a picture um, with her students because uh, that would actually have been um, most appropriate. That was how she mostly uh, appeared uh, when she was teaching at the school of uh, the National School of Performing Arts, Sarge Brann. Um, I collaborated a lot with Sarge Brann around the festival's Works at Work, which I curated together with Isa, uh, Ida Elisabeth Larsen in Dansehellerne. Um, and I want to really mention Saar as a big um, moment in my dance, Danish dance history because of her insistence on collectivity and her uh, gathering and disturbing attitude um, as a founding character. Yeah. Um, important for the traces I've selected for today um, are collectivity and uh, movement beyond aesthetic and national borders. This is the story I want to write. Um, this is the story I tried myself to write as a curator of the Works at Work Festival, together with Ida. And we invited international artists, solos, duos and groups to reflect on how aesthetics are created uh, through the production means. Um, on the same time, it was a proposal of uh, more discourse into the field of dance and performance art and it was a proposal of a redistribution of attention and money uh, structurally um, we worked each year on inviting international uh, colleagues from the global south as a strategy okay so that was just my past um, in 10 minutes 
Um, and my my Danish history, uh, from my point of view, we were invited, Karen and I, to to start there. Um, so here's my framing framing statement before I give you a little task. The spirit is a bone, Hegel once said, and uh, later Marx and Engels proved that the bone of that spirit is one in which we carve ourselves. And today I want to write a normative and very selective history of the Danish dance. I want to insist that uh, it is international when it's national. I want us to think about a collective facilitation, organization and mobilization. And I want to find out uh, what we wish to bring from the past and present into the future. I think that it's also along the lines of how I was invited, actually. Um, and before I proceed to a little bit more um, academic perspective, um, more theory, um, I want to give you a little task. You're sitting in small groups um, about our, um, our past as international. And you yesterday, you were, were already telling uh, a lot of stories, so I would encourage you now to to do the task with um, another story than the one you were allowed to tell yesterday. Um, and the task uh, goes like this. Take five minutes to write down, you have these papers and pens, uh, your memory uh, of an international encounter, workshop or performance you want to remember in Denmark or abroad. Please write so that others can read it. And then afterwards, we just take a little round of reading them allowed um, for each other. But uh, I will put some light because now I don't have pictures anymore. So that will be like this. And uh, you just have five minutes and I will ring a little bell and then you read aloud for each other in the small circles. Okay, I, I hope you all finished. If you didn't do, don't worry, because um, we will uh, collect all the papers and uh, they will go into a book because we are writing a book right now. I, uh, I was creative at home and created this, uh, this uh, book called uh, Danske, Danse Historia and then the title of my lecture, where they will all go in. And it's not whatever book. This book is actually, it's, it's, uh, you cannot recognize it, but it's... Uh, it's a Theater Jahrbuch 1999, Theater Yearbook 1999 from Germany. Uh, and it's uh, full of male directors of theater. And I thought that was an appropriate place to, uh, to put in these international collective encounters. Um, yes, and it's decorated together with my daughter. So it's, uh, it's also much more colorful than, uh, than what we have there. Okay, now I proceed to um, a rather uh, academic part of the lecture. This is where the uh, discursive turn in choreography comes in uh, since 10 years, 15 years. That's me participating. Okay, maybe it's not so academic, but here we go. So I come from uh, rather from cultural theory uh, and I come rather from performance art. I often discuss with my collaborator, Lucy Tuma, whether we are doing choreography. She says we are doing it, and I say we're doing performance art. So that's an ongoing discussion, but whatever. Um, in my PhD at Copenhagen University, I'm currently uh, examining 
how collective organization uh, or what I call infrastructural performance is a way to actively criticize the structural precarity, pr structural precarity I will come back to. So that's a, a fragile way of living that everybody's living, said in a fast way, um, uh, that we as cultural workers uh, are experiences and experiencing and how uh, collectives build alternative and socially uh, sustainable structures in order to live. Uh, in the following, I want to talk about collective organization uh, in dance and choreography and beyond. I want to look at sustainable and facilitating models within Denmark and then uh, talk a bit about the context of contemporary collectivity before I uh, will tell you about a performance art label, uh, a sort of international sidekick in the history today. Um, that's a story I want to tell you from abroad that has not so much to do with Denmark beside of me telling it. Um, but now what connects all the groups that I will talk about uh, to my point of departure today in Holstebro is the concern with sharing resources, social, financial and cultural resources, sharing a space or a festival, a venue, a text, sharing attention or sharing a meal. When looking at the performance art scene with its imperative of the constant production of ephemeral works, of transformation, of building portfolios with recognizable and outstanding signatures, I'm hopeful about the tactics of certain youngish Danish international groups. This is a selective history, history. You might feel excluded, but don't, because all these groups are inviting you in if you're not already a part of them, because many of you are. So uh, I want to say a little bit about these, and they might say it's, it's wrong, but here we go. So Dance Atelier are 11 uh, Copenhagen-based artists, dancers and choreographers, who are, through their invitation of others to their performance nights, uh, they're expanding the notion of what choreography is, choreography is because here... We see sound art, writing, performance art, and choreography, and dance, and light, and uh, sound art. I said that already, music. Um, but maybe more important is that dance atelier, they have one space, or they used to have, now they're finding a new one. They have a new one. They used to have one in Valby, then they were migrating for a while. Uh, and now they have a new one. We will hear more about that. And uh, this is a space where uh, they're having a continuous daily practice where they have to tell each other if they're not coming. And it's not an open uh, studio. It's a continuous uh, practice of uh, these 11 people uh, for that morning practice. And um, it's a space where you cannot work alone. And... Um, for me, as I see it in the context of how the conditions for working today are, uh, I see it as a, a space um, for social continuity, for not being uh, alone in this uh, competitive, individualizing um, mode of working. Then we have Breakfast Club. You might not so much know Breakfast Club because they are, well, there is one here, Stine Franzen, 
Okay, I will not mention name in, names in that way. That was actually a part of the strategy. Okay, Breakfast Club, uh, 13 uh, persons uh, from uh, seven different countries sharing financial resources and funding across their seven countries. And that's what I think is what I want to highlight from them because they then they ask France to give some money, then they ask Denmark to give some money, and then they ask... Uh, Poland to give some money, that might not help that much because they're not getting any funding. But then they tell in Germany that they have Polish people in the group and that's cultural credit in Germany and then that's good. And so on. So that's a way of redistributing and working international, uh, internationally. But they're not, they're not working all the time together. They're only meeting once or twice a year. Correct me if I'm wrong. We will continue that. Um, because they are also... Um, living in different cities, which is, of course, a challenge for a collective. Fan club for women based in Copenhagen. Not so young as the others. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, uh, no, I, no I, I, yeah, it is a little bit. No, I, I just wanted to talk about something that has been going on for a little bit longer than the two first groups I, I was mentioning. Um, facilitating uh, for the community a lot, uh, inviting um, choreographers for, uh, from abroad, hosting for the community. And what I want to highlight is that they are reversing the traditional hierarchy of the dancers waiting for the choreography, uh, choreographer to, to call, and they are calling the choreographer. The dancers are calling the choreographer to ask if the choreographer wants to dance with them and work with them. So uh, that's a way of taking agency and saying it, it doesn't have to go one way. We're not waiting for the audition of Dance Densitate or whatever. Um, yeah, and then I want to mention RISC, as I already mentioned, because I've been working with them. And a lot of you have, because they were doing these big uh, festival one-day things where we all came with works some 10 years ago, a lot, um, in different places. They're hosting others' work. Uh, they are doing publications as a shared risk that was online and also became a book. Uh, curating workshops and seminars. And in 2016, they proposed a sort of artistic strike as a collective. Um, resigning from being uh, collectively active for a year, yet uh, continuing to work uh, artistically as individuals. And uh, that's where I, uh, I, I want to just put a little provocation into this question of what is the collective doing, because um, I want to ask if the collective is a forum that we celebrate when we have time for it uh, uh, in our individual careers. That's, I think, a, a struggle that all collectives, whether it's a duo or a trio or a bigger group, are struggling with. Is it a stepping stone in an early career planning or a social utopia that we will not let go. Or something in between. We don't know. Okay. Um, well, what I find compelling in, in analyzing in my work as a PhD st uh, uh, scholar um, is um, that these artistic practices of collectivism, and I will continue to name a few others, uh, is how collectivism uh, inevitably exposes and attacks broader social 
and economic conditions of production. So that's a sort of mini arena of what is actually happening uh, on a bigger level. In the context of um, neoliberalism, where every sphere in life is economized and each individual is working on herself as a company, measuring and accounting her individual production. The choreographic collectives mentioned just here propose other ways of performing and reforming the economic and social conditions which we are offered in neoliberalism. You might say now, there were a lot of collectives before them. I know, but I don't know them so well. So I, I, I really talk from, from my present, and that's super selective, but that's how I can be the most competent right now. So in various ways, the groupings mentioned um, actively resist the current individualization and imperative of competition either through building socially or economically sustainable organization or by provoking and explicitly criticizing neoliberal uh, working conditions. But before I uh, start looking into a specific German collective that I want to talk about today, which is called Cobra Theater Cobra, Cobra Theater Cobra, I want to propose structural precarity as a term, as the contextual horizon on which this phenomenon figures. I read precarity in the context of work, and a lot of you who were students of Sage Brand read a lot about precarity as well, I guess. Um, and uh, it's a precarity based on a short-term contract. You know, I'm trying to describe right now how you're working as a precarious worker. You're on your own, your own boss and your own employee, performing social and geographical flexibility, one residency here, one residency here, one performance there, one performance there, having the freedom to follow one's desires and to decide the rhythm of one's work and only a few social rights, if any. I want to address structural conditions of precarity in my historical and our historical present, in order to confront challenges of the subject in new forms of work, specifically in the work of the freelance performing, choreographing, dancing artist. Through a reading of the performance group Copa Theater Copa, I will come back to them, yes, uh, I show how they, through infrastructural performances, criticize the artistic signature, the so much desired individualization, austerity politics and inequality. I want to discuss how performance collectives display structural precarity, not only as distribution of political powerlessness, but also as a reason for forming models of rethinking social relationality. Rethinking social relationality. Yes. Precarity is a term employed on life formed by structural, structurally determined inequality and insecurity. The everyday is filled by worries such as if the social security can be guaranteed, whether there will be jobs in the future, if one can afford to have a family, falling ill, aging. Here the citizen puts a lot of effective labor, emotional labor, into thinking about how to sustain an acceptable life a livable life. 
American literature professor and feminist Lauren Berlin explores effective responses to structural precarity in the US where poverty, inequality and structural inconstancy are caused by racial hierarchies, reproduction of class and austerity politics, nedskæringspolitik på dansk. She defines precarity as a structural condition coming out of the privatization of wealth and the slow and uneven, I'm, I'm quoting her now, um, the privatization of wealth and the slow and uneven bankrupting of so many localities, nation, state, regions, in the beginning of the 70s, leading to such uneven um, desiccation of the public sector materially, ideologically, and in the fantasy that austerity has developed into the name for new realism. So we cannot have another condition than these cuts that we are living right now. That's the new realism. Precarity is defined It's, uh, I think, a politics of necessity in Denmark would be the right uh, way of translating a new realism. Nedskæringspolitik er nødvendig. Uh, it's a politi uh, nødvendighedens uh, politik, vil uh, lykke sige. Precarity is defined by Ballon as a structural condition growing out of capitalism over the past 50 years. So it's not just something since the 90s. Where the public sector has been shrinking and the global north and uh, in the global north, and labor has been globalized, debts have been growing, and where the rationale is to cut welfare when crisis threatens growth. Furthermore, Ballon defines precarity as an effective emotional resonance of this structural diet. She says. It's an ongoing structurally economic problem. First, indicating that capitalism thrives on instability. That's what I'm quoting right now. And second, pointing to the ways that capitalist forms of labor make, make bodies and minds precarious, holding out the promise of flourishing while wearing out the corpus we drag around in different ways and in different rates, partly by overstimulation, partly by understimulation, and partly by the incoherence with which alienation is lived as exhaustion plus saturating intensity. So there are these different rhythms of exhaustion and intensity at the same time of understimulation and overstimulation. Ballon, is, uh, she stresses how capitalism has structurally inserted instability as an existential feeling. She makes a notable link between the ways of working in capitalism and the production of precarious subjectivation. The constant changes of rhythm resulting in a bodily and mental exhaustion. Through various... Uh, am I too fast? Is it okay? Can you follow? Okay, okay, okay. I, I continue. Through various... Um, analysis of literature and film works in her book Cruel Optimism, uh, Balanchi points out how an individual self-precarization take, precarization takes place through what she calls a general cruel optimism. Here, a collective fantasy of the good life is practiced, a hetero-familial 
upwardly mobile good life fantasy, including job security, political and social equality, and a lively, durable intimacy. You see, a relationship, ever-rising um, income, buying first an apartment, later a house, never sharing that with others than your own family, and uh, yeah, progression, growth. Yet this fantasy is lost in the clash with an individual reality of structural inconstancy. Broken, unrealistic promises make the individuals of cruel optimism face their life as a continuum of defeats with the soundtrack of guilt. I didn't manage to. This individual, that's a great way of stopping, of, of ending this symposium. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah, we are, in, we are, we are now in the, in the, in the depth of, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of the tragedy and uh, it really will change into something completely different. Mm. Uh, uh, this individual effect of loss, as Ballon stresses, belongs to the general structure of feelings in capitalism. Ballon is pending between individual structures of feeling and the structural conditions set by contemporary politics. She detects a general cruel optimism in capitalism echoed in many individual situation tragedies, she calls it, where one personal disaster seems to lead to the next. Oh, I didn't get that grant. Oh, I didn't get that grant. Oh, I didn't get that residency. Oh, I didn't get that grant. And the housing of my next performance will be in the summer holidays. Precarity is structurally destabilizing, yet felt on every concrete subjective level at home, with such common symptoms as lack of time, energy, money, multiple work con commitments, leaving little time for meetings or even traveling to meetings, burnout, health issues, including mental health, forced migration, visa issues, care duties. The political capacity to act within one's own life and in public is limited. Or as Slovenian art theoretician Bojana Kunst states, a certain powerlessness towards political change is experienced. The genre of the individualized situation tragedy leads me to look at the uh, internalization of the structures of the freelance worker specifically the performing artist, the dancer, the choreographer, who embodies the rhythm and life of structural precarity. The precarious worker as figure covers not only artists and cultural workers, but also migrant workers, PhD students, interns, students, service workers, manual workers and freelancers. The precarity of the freelancer is a substantially described uh, issue, for example, by the German theorist uh, Isabel Lohrey. And she's tracing the close relation between freedom and insecurity, between entrepreneurial, passionate, self-governed work life and the lack of security. The etymolo etymology, so where the word is coming from, of freelancer is the medieval knight hired to fight whatever lord offering the best conditions. Uh, the freelancer risks his life in the name of others, yet he travels alone from, the from one temporary employment to the next. 
He lives, he lives out an unreserved mobility. He serves neither a nation, nor a religion, nor a political direction. Lauren Balanchi describes the free freelancer as one of the key figures in neoliberalism, a mobile and post-geographic character preferring the entrepreneurial precarity, giving herself to the dream. Especially the artist is con uh, uh, connotated uh, as happy worker, uh, loving what she's doing, thankfully accepting chances in place of fees and operating in self-constituted sovereignty. What makes the independent performance artist a figure exposing the conditions of artistic freelance work to its extremes is the immateriality, embodiment and ephemerality of the genre of performing arts, especially independent performing arts that you rarely repeat. Here the personality and the body are the main materials in the artistic practice. Since the personal political is at the center of performance art, performance art, performing arts, you know, not the commercial ones. It cannot be delegated to others, nor repeated, but requires authentic, authentic passion in persona. Similarly, similarly to other consumptions in capitalism, these arts steadily produces the new, the new, the new, and through this constant transformation and production, new ways of seeing and consuming are appearing, aka growth. So, if performance art is serving the demands of capitalism perfectly in its productivity and this, at the same time exhausting the artist through structural precarity, how can artists then propose more socially and economically sustainable ways of working? This is the important question. Yes, American philosopher and feminist Judith Butler insists on analyzing structural distribution in social and economic institutions when addressing new forms of work within academia and the arts. She says, I want to caution against an existential reading and insist that what is at stake is a way of rethinking social re relationality. Our precarity is to a large extent dependent upon the organization of economic and social relationships, the presence or absence of sustaining infrastructures and social and political institutions. In this sense, precarity is indissociable from, what, from that dimension of politics that address the organization and protection of bodily needs. Precarity exposes our sociality, the fragile and, necess and necessary dimensions of our interdependency interdependency, being dependent on each other, of each other. So, here comes the example, the long prophesied example. Cobra Theatre Cobra. An example of how infrastructural performance collectively negotiates and opposes the structural precarity of artists, I find in the multi-leveled work of Cobra Theatre Cobra. Really ugly name, I'm sorry, I think. But uh, that's what they're called. Um, 
their way of organizing collectively. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm continuing the dissing, uh, <laughs> apparently. Uh, their way of organizing collectively criticizes uh, at least three conditions within structural precarity. The idea of an artistic individual signature, the isolation and exhaustion of freelance workers. Cobra Teatro Cobra, they are a group of more than 40 members of visual arts, performance art, dance and cultural studies. They are based in Germany and members of Cobra Teatro Cobra have mainly studied at the Department of Cultural Studies and Aesthetic Communication at the University of Hildesheim, which is amongst others directed by the professor Anne-Marie Matschke from Shishi Pop, if you know her. Copa Teatro Copa calls itself, oh, that's really a problem again, you see, I'm mentioning only her name and then I'm talking about collectives. Okay, somebody from Shishi Pop. Copa Teatro Copa calls itself neither a collective nor a self-organized workers association. They call themselves a network or a label. Copa Teatro Copa is influenced by digital technologies and they work partly due to their dispersed workers all over Germany widely throughout the medium of the internet. To describe the relationality of themselves, Copa Theater Copa deploys the metaphor of infection, in German Ansteckung, as I'll be smittel. When you have been infected, that is involved in a production in Copa Theater Copa, you are automatically licensed to use the label for your own work. Despite the easily obtained admittance to the label, another inauguration ritual is demanded. You have to let at least two persons who you don't know, members of the Copa Teatro Copa, attend and criticize a version of your artwork before you're going public. This peer critique must go, to, must go public along with the artwork. So you get a, a public critique from these peers when you publish your first work under this label. The infective principle means that Copa Teatro Copra is constantly expanding as a network. The Copra snake, you see their sign here, uh, the hyper-flexible line of vertebras has, its, uh, has, um, has at, um, at it, as it says on their official website, no end. Yeah, this snake. The very casting uh, of members is incontrollable and results in a diverse identity with divergent aesthetics. The inauguration ritual, getting a peer critique, exercises a continued criticality among the members. Opposed to the idea of the, the artist genius or the autonomous theater director, as in Germany, um, Copa Teatro Copa has no addressable spokesperson, front figure or identifiable creative mind. Neither has it an aesthetic mission. There is an obvious critique of authorship and of artistic signature in insisting on the diversity of a label. Also, the aesthetic contingency makes the group a sincere provocation to the arts councils. When a Copa Tata Cobra, no, when Copa Tata Cobra, they sent um, eight applications to the Berlin Senate, who is then being supported. They have a completely diverse CV 
Uh, they have too many productions so that you can get an overview. In reading the application, the network forces the appointed jury to close read each application in order to estimate the specific artistic proposal. Since Copatata Copa is a network and its website calendar presents hyperactivity of work as well as many-voiced authorship, there is no portfolio or artistic recognizability to rely on. As Marx said, the only man cited must be Marx or what, um, the collective action of workers exposes a fragile construction of individuality. When the laborer cooperates systematically with others, he strips off the fetters of his individuality and develops the capabilities of his species. His species, that's Marx. Yes. Um, in collective action, Copa Tata Copa devalues uh, the artist genius as prisoning narrative, building on a speculative accumulation of aesthetic practice of uh, proximity. I read the explosive production of identities and dissonant aesthetics within the label of Copatat or Copa as an infrastructural performance, so performing within these infrastructures. There's, it's a sort of, is it an aesthetic proposal? Maybe, even. Criticizing artistic identification. A strategic labeling to cause destabilization of the judgment premises for traditional support within the arts. I'm nearly finished, yeah? Don't, uh, don't give up. The infective network disturbs identification as we know it from the art world. Here, I neither identify the artist genius nor the collective, uh, nor the workers' association. The artistic signatures as we know them have exploded. So, what would be the next step from here? I, I think we say... So what would be the next step from here? Could we apply to the Arts Council as one enormous group, maybe all of us here, um, of dancers and choreographers? Or should we, as um, there is a, another proposal, swap biographies, portfolios, make our CVs open source? In, in the beginning of my lecture, I talked about ordering tables, redistribution of attention, of money and power, to globally less privileged colleagues. I talked about uh, ways of organizing in socially and economically sustainable ways to resist the structural precarity of neoliberal freelance work. I talked about generosity and facilitating a community uh, as possi possibilities of rethinking social relationality. And here in the second half with Copa Tata Copa, I proposed infrastructural performance as a way of irritating and criticizing um, the neoliberal demands of individualization and competition. So, um, now we go back to the groups. This uh, was uh, the last part of the lecture lecture. I'm perfect in time. Um, and... Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, because that's that's a skill, right? To be able to keep time uh, under your control. No, um, I want to uh, now invite you to make a last working step. Uh, 
for now, um, about the future prophesizing. And uh, you are welcome, I just want to say, to write in Danish also, if you're more comfortable with this. So first of all, actually, we have to get some post-its out uh, in the groups. Uh, sounds like a, a typical process, right? And But we're not getting the laptops. Okay, so the first step uh, here where we are collectively writing the future is to take three minutes, just three minutes, to identify uh, one concern that you, you, yourself, individually, this is a lone task first, yeah? You have today regarding the present conditions, the now conditions of dance and choreography in Denmark. Okay, Denmark as expanded notion of Denmark, yeah? Um, and write your concern on a post-it. Hmm? Okay, so just take three minutes to think of something that you think is a problem or something that there should be worked on. It can be based on what I said, but it can also be completely different. Something that you're concerned with. It can be... Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a post-it. Individually, you write a concern you have in the present of the Danish dance and choreography situation. Okay, um, so now you turn toward each other and make a circle or something like that, you, you make a little group and you have a little space between your feet on the ground where you could put the post-it so you can all see what there is written. You can also put them on your knees if you don't feel like bowing down, but so that the post-its are, are visible for everyone. Okay, and now then you take uh, five minutes uh, to discuss in the group, orally discuss, uh, which one or two concerns in your group you want to solve or find out more ab about. So uh, take a look at them, tell each other what is written if you cannot read it, and, uh, and then uh, discuss what you want to be occupied with. It's just, I mean, another day it could be something else you're occupied with, but just decide a little bit, maybe a little bit fast, a little bit random, a little bit with passion, whatever, what you want to do as a group, one or two concerns, maybe, th maybe they're even overlapping. Five minutes, I will ring the bell. Hmm? Okay, so what to do about it? Um, here's the next task. Please take 10 minutes to discuss how to find out more about and or solve or make visible your concerns, concern, concerns, choosing a strategy and it's just, it's just a game, so it's not like, uh, yeah, choose a strategy, either redistributing means or facilitating, being generous, doing something for the community, make a socially or economically sustainable solution or make a publicly critical or provoking action or something like that. So these are just possibilities of strategies. Um, you can also do something fifth. Yeah. So take uh, 10 minutes to discuss it and afterwards there will be some writing. <laughs> 